Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Faces of TBI podcast series, the number one podcast for brain injury and concussion resources. I am Amy Zelmer, founder of FacesofTBI.com and your host. And today I'm going to be talking with author Reed Forgrave about making sense of suicide after brain injury. If you're enjoying this podcast series, please be sure to check out my Patreon page to help support my advocacy work and receive exclusive content, patreon.com slash Amy Zellmer. This episode is brought to you by Integrated Brain Centers. Located in Denver, Colorado, Drs. Shane Stedman and Perry Maynard are experts in functional neurology and treat complex concussion cases from around the country. With over 20 years of combined experience, they are leaders in helping patients who are suffering from post-concussion symptoms, including dizziness, vertigo, headaches, and more. For your free consultation, you can find them online at integratedbraincenters.com. Hello, I am Amy Zellmer, and you're listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic injury, one podcast at a time. Those of you who don't know who I am, I'm a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in February of 2014. I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, Thrive Global, and the Good Men Project, and I am author of Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal, available on Amazon. Additionally, I'm editor-in-chief of The Brain Health Magazine, and you can grab your free digital subscription at thebrainhealthmagazine.com. You can learn more about me and the podcast at facesoftbi.com, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And I also invite you to join my private Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe, to connect with other survivors, caregivers, and loved ones. Today, my guest is Reed Forgrave, and Reed has written about sports and other topics for GQ, the New York Times Magazine, and Mother Jones, among others. His specialty is long-form narrative storytelling. He has covered college football and the NFL, as well as college and professional basketball and the Summer Olympics for Fox Sports and CBS Sports, and he currently writes for the Star Tribune in Minneapolis. The article in which he first wrote about Zach Easter is included in Best American Sports Writing of 2018. A past life found him working at the Des Moines Register in Iowa, as well as several other metropolitan newspapers. He lives in the Minneapolis area with his wife and two sons, and his book, Love Zach, Small Town Football and the Life and Death of an American Boy, is available on Amazon. So, Reed, welcome to the podcast. So happy to have you here. Yeah, Amy, thanks for having me, and, and, and thanks for the work that you do on this. This is, this is such an important topic that I think, you know, really only – in the past decade or so has gotten yeah. uh, proper treatment. So, so yeah, thank you for the work that you do. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, so the reason I have you here today is to talk about your book, Love Zach, um, and the Zach Easter story. And for those listening, you know, the Cliff Notes version um, Zach Easter played uh, football through high school and he 
essentially was told by doctors he was exhibiting CTE, he had depression, he was turning to alcohol, um, and he eventually committed suicide and left behind an incredible journal documenting how he had been feeling the past few years and what was going through his mind. And he left very explicit instructions for his family to use his story, try to teach others about CTE and the effects from playing football. So Reed, how, how did you come to be a part of all of this and to essentially, um, I know that you wrote a great feature on Zach in GQ, um, which was turned into a documentary, and that then kind of led to writing the book. Um, but tell us a little background of how you came to be involved and how you came um, to know the Easter family. Yeah, I mean, the first time I ever even heard the name Zach Easter was in his obituary. Uh, but I remember this moment distinctly. I just had a former colleague who, who passed on his obituary from the Des Moines Register, from the newspaper where I used to work. It was right before Christmas of 2015. I remember I was visiting my family for the holidays, um, and my friends said, hey, you should, you should check this out. And I remember reading his obituary, and he was 24 years old. Um, any obituary of a 24-year-old man is, is obviously – uh, heartbreaking, but Zach's was just even more so. And uh, you know, you know, one reason you have this picture of this you know, extremely good-looking, smiling kid—you have all these things that just indicate that he should have had this, this wonderful life ahead of him. He just graduated from college with, you know, he's on the honor roll. He was in the Iowa National Guard. Um, he had what, what it seemed like on the surface, you know, the world was his oyster. Um, but the final paragraph of this obituary just just absolutely hit me in the gut uh, because it was so honest about what Zach was dealing with. If, if you don't mind, you mind if I just read that paragraph? Because this was really yeah, what absolutely. set me out on this. Yeah, this was like a years-long journey. But um, Here's what it reads. It said, Zach was a selfless person. His last wish was to make sure that no one else has to struggle from head trauma like he did. It is important to Zach to tell his story about CTE, a disease he attempted to manage for years. He suffered from severe migraines, brain tremors, slurred speech, blurred vision, and dementia, among other physical ailments. He is unselfish, unselfishly donating his brain along with a detailed diary that documented his life so that no one suffers the way that he did. He bravely fought this silent disease for years until he was no longer able. His spirit will always be with us. Zach asked that the memorials be donated to the Concussion Legacy Foundation so that further research can be done on this disease. His final request is that people talk about CTE, support more research, and value knowledge. So that, you don't read an obituary too often that is that uh, detailed about someone's Mm -hmm. struggles that led to their death. So... I, you know, I still knew people in Iowa. We had moved away up to Minnesota about a year before, but I, you know, called some folks, uh, got connected with his mother, Brenda Easter, and, you know, two weeks after Zach's death by suicide, I was sitting in the family's living room with his parents and his girlfriend and one of his two brothers and, and some close family friends and spent 
three or four hours just talking about Zach. And you know, eventually the family uh, gave me these journals that he wrote, and they're, they're heartbreaking. This is, you know, I don't need to tell you this. This is a, an incredibly tragic story. But the fact that Zach had this sort of forethought to put this down, pen to paper, um, was, yeah. was pretty remarkable and was sort of his final gift to humanity in a way. This wouldn't have been, this would have been a sad story about, you know, you don't usually hear stories about 24-year-olds with CTE from playing football only through high school. It would have been a sad story that I would have written, you know, for you know, foxsports.com, the website I was writing for at that point. Yeah. And, and that would have been yeah. that. But Zach, Zach was able to sort of, you know, send his message out into the world, which it's it, it's tragic, but thank God he did do this because I think his, his his story lives on even if he doesn't. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And um, his family and um, some other folks that were part of his life, um, they formed CTE Hope, a nonprofit organization, mm-hmm. um, which is made up of his parents and. Um, I personally know Sue Wilson. Um, she was his athletic trainer in, in high school and Allie, who was his um, girlfriend. And, mm-hmm. you know, they just, they've done so much with his story, right. To try to help create awareness. And, you know, that was his last final wish. Right. And yeah. um, they're doing research to try to help, um, come up with saliva testing to determine um, because I I just remember Sue telling me as a personal trainer, doctors trump her. So if a doctor clears their kids to go back on the field, she has no choice but to let them on the field. And doctors want like proof or parents want the proof that there's, that their kid has a concussion still and shouldn't play. Um, and there's just nothing out there, right? Like an MRI does not show yep. a concussion. Um, and so, you know, they're working on developing um, a saliva test, which could help potentially show, look, your kid's still dealing with a concussion. Um, so, you know, it's such a sad, sad story. Like it's so tragic that Zach felt the need to take his life, but yet, you know, had he not, would we be here today? Right? Like, would they be doing right. the work they're doing? Um, so, I, yeah, such a selfless act um, to leave behind that journal. And I mean, what 24 year old guy do you know that journals so detailed? <laughs> right? Like, none. That's, that's, that's the thing about Zach. His, his older brother was a um, didn't have. Uh, you know, he had some concussions but didn't react to them in the way that Zach did. Yeah. But his older brother is – is they were both tough football players. His older brother was bigger, more athletic, went on to play college football. Zach was smaller but very much had the mentality of a football player. But the main difference between these two is Zach was a mama's boy. Zach had this, like, sensitivity to him, uh, even with this whole, like, tough guy demeanor that was very real to him. That was, that was a central part of his identity. You can see in his writings that he, he thinks deeply about life. And uh, it wasn't just that he decided to take a journal, which is, you know, for, for any, you know, early 20-something young man is a big, uh, big step. The fact that he was so honest 
in this and was uh, very thoughtful about uh, the situation that he was in with his brain, despite, you know, his brain was deteriorating. I don't want to say at a rapid rate, but like he was having some very serious memory issues and he decided to write it down. So that was, I do think of it as, you know, and when you come across something like this as a journalist, it, it, it goes yeah. from, Hey, I'm writing this, a story to, Hey, this is my, this is my duty now. Like I'm, I don't want to say I'm part of their story, but sort of in a way I'm part of this family yeah. story where it becomes You're their storyteller. Beyond... Yeah. Yeah. And, and so so that's why this became, you know, I after this article came out, I had no idea how to write a book proposal. Uh, and I had people telling me, yeah, that's a really good story, but I don't think it could carry a book. But just felt like I, it, this story needed to go further um, because because it is – so unique and so tragic, and you know, I, I I think you can look at it both as a cautionary tale, but mm-hmm. not as. And Zach's life is yes, it is a cautionary tale about football and about concussions, but it's not balls evil. Uh, it's hey, let's let's be a little smarter about this. Uh, let's be a little more careful about this. Let's recognize how mm-hmm. important uh, concussions. And I think it's way better to call them. PBIs, you know, if you if you call it a traumatic brain injury, uh, you're not going to say someone just got dinged up, right? You say it's concussion, yes. and that sort of has those old school. But calling it a TBI, yes. I think is that's that that's very much uh, a positive direction that this discussion is heading. Yeah, I I always say like, okay, so parents are like, oh, he just has a concussion, it's no big deal. You would never say, oh, he just has a brain injury, it's no big deal, right? I know, yeah. It's just change the words, right? Let's call it what it is. A concussion is a traumatic brain injury. Like, yeah, let's just get rid of that word from our vocabulary. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And you go, I mean, even – when you're talking about CTE, which is kind of a word salad, people usually don't know yeah, what yeah. chronic traumatic encephalopathy is. Uh, but it's better than calling it like shell shock <laughs> or uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Like, like back in the old days, he was punch drunk, right? Yes. Um, yep. Yep. I, I think we still use calling that it with CTE boxers. Gives, yeah, it's insane, right? Um, but I think calling it CTE, giving a much more medical word to this, you know, really confusing and mysterious disease, um, I think is, uh, yeah, this is as much as we talk about like the scientific discussion, uh, so much of this is, is a cultural thing, just taking this seriously. Um, and I think that's what Zach's story helps, helps further the discussion in a really positive way. You know, and I kind of, I think about his doctor telling him, you know, that he has CTE or probably has CTE because you can't diagnose CTE until after death, right? You have to dissect the brain to actually confirm the diagnosis. Um, So, like, you know, was he a little bit negligent? Like, you know, like, I, I, I hear it come up in my Facebook group often that their doctors have told them, especially in men, um, that they have CTE. And it's just like, mm. you know, these people think you're giving them a death sentence. Like, right. let's, let's just educate people better about TBI and give them the resources for providers that can help them, you know, like, CTE does not have to be a death sentence, right? Like, there's treatments, there's things we can do. Right. 
with Zach's story, I think one of the, the most tragic parts is the timing of this all. Uh, and by, by that, what I mean is when he played high school football, it was in the late aughts, so like 2006 to 2010. Uh, that was sort of the end of his football career, 2009, actually. And it was right around that time where things were just starting. Yeah. Questions about Dave Dewars and Andre Waters and NFL players and, and science just making this connection between football and this, this brain disease. And, but it wasn't something that people were widely talking about. And then, so that's tragic in that his, his family can literally plead ignorance. They didn't know. Uh, there was yeah. you know, virtually yeah. no way they could have known. And then the second part of it is when, when Zach was really in this sort of downward spiral in 2013, 14, 15, um, this was, you know, people weren't talking treatments that much. This yeah. was Junior Seau had just died by suicide a couple of years before. And, you know, there's this Mike Webster documentary on PBS that Zach very pointedly had his dad watch. Um, but it was, it was this big, scary disease. And not to take anything away from it now, it still is this very scary yeah. disease. Yep. But the treatment options weren't as out there. So, so the timing... Yeah. Of, of everything that happened to Zach, uh, of his life, was, you know, just kind of adds to the tragedy. Because if he had lived, you know, had been born a decade later, uh, mm-hmm. there would have been, you know, people were, were taking this stuff a lot more seriously then. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, I've, I've had people point out to me, my book came out in 2015. I began writing on HuffPost early 2015 um, and started this podcast uh, in 2015 when my book came out and like I was on the forefront of it. Like there was nobody else podcasting on TBI and concussion and um, you know, cause I was so surprised how my first piece went so viral and somebody later pointed out that there just wasn't anything else out there like what I had written Um so I think you're right. You know, that was 2015. And, you know, now here we are six years later, and there's just so much more information. There's so many people doing podcasts and writing books because it's so much more accessible now, right? And, um, you know, just getting that information out there is so powerful and hearing other people's stories. And, you know, it is. It's a totally different place here in 2021 than it was in 2015. You're absolutely right. Would have been a different yeah, story. And, and, and you, know, you, brought up, you brought up Sue Wilson earlier, and she was the trainer for Zach's high school team. And I think her story is also fascinating, how it really traces the, the evolution of the cultural discussion about concussions and TBIs and CTE over the past 15 or so years. Because when she started at Zach's high school as the trainer. This was a couple of years before Zach was a freshman. I think it was 2004, 2005 when she started as the trainer. And she'd tell these stories about how she'd take a player out that she suspected uh, had a concussion. She literally grabbed this helmet. Way ahead of there its would time. Be <laughs> way ahead of its time. It's only 15 years ago. And, and, and you'd yep, have a doctor yep. in the stands put him back in. You'd have a doctor calling the athletic director the next day saying, why did she take him out? I'm a doctor. She was very much fighting against this sort of machismo um, 
the culture there. And now you look at her now, she's on this governor's task force in the state of Iowa for uh, traumatic brain injuries. She ran for school board in this uh, city of Indianola and won. She went from, you know, an outsider to being an insider. And that's 15 years, you know, things can move slowly in culture, but 15 years is pretty quick for something, you know, a sport that we, that we hold so dearly, uh, the sport of football to start taking you know, this is not just like, hey, you're getting dinged up, but hey, this, these are serious. These are existential questions for the players and for the sport. You know, um, she has told me, I think it's happened twice, for sure once, um, where she had a student got cleared by the doctor to, to play again. And she was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this, but, you know, the doctor yeah. trumps me. And um, at the game that Friday night, he took a hit and he was out cold. They had to airlift him. Um, and I believe he had a stroke. Don't quote me on that. Um, but it was something quite serious. And now, like, he'll never be the same person again. And it just, yeah. like, broke her heart because she knew better. Yeah. Right? And I mean, you Zach, know, but Zach had, Zach had three concussions in the span of about two months his senior year of high school. And he was cleared by doctors to go back and play yeah. after the first two. After the third one, Zach said, or, uh, Sue said, no way, you're not, you're not playing again. And I think Zach started to realize it at that point as well. But, uh, yeah, the, the story that you're referring to was a, was a player. I don't remember the specifics as far as being cleared by a doctor, um, but there, there was, assuming this is the same story, there was a – when Zach – Zach was actually playing on a team with a guy – who uh, had – he got hit on, a, on the practice field, uh, clearly, like, a little bit woozy. But he said, it's okay, yeah. coach, I'm good. And then, like, a couple plays later got hit again, which is the worst possible thing yeah, that you can have. Yeah, impact. And, uh, mm. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, he had a brain hemorrhage. I spoke with him. I spoke with his mom, what, close to 10 years after that happened. This was a couple years ago. And he's still struggling in life, struggling with drugs yeah, and alcohol, yeah. struggling with keeping a job. His brothers are both hugely successful, you know, went to, went to elite private schools. And this kid was is, is still struggling in life. So, yeah. It, you know, and this is small town Iowa, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's not even I mean, college small, or. I know. I know. It's. And it's a practice, right? It's, it's like these things are supposed to happen on those big hits in the in the game, right? Where 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 someone makes a, you know you know, makes a tackle that's just way out of bounds, you know, leading with the head. But these things so often are kind of freak accidents. Like I'm not sure how much uh, your listeners are big football fans, but this past January, uh, during one playoff weekend, two quarterbacks, uh, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. Uh, the, the the two most recent NFL MVPs both had concussions on successive days and were taken out of the game, which, first of all, think about the cultural change there, the fact they were taken out of yeah. the game. But yep. both of these were just freak incidents. They weren't, they weren't vicious hits. They were just they weren't big hits, dangerous right. game. Bad things are going to happen. So that that's why I think that, you know, we, we can talk about making helmets safer and, and changing the rules of the game and, and having – these sideline, uh, you know, saliva tests and improving the science here. But to me, so much of this comes down to the culture and, and to like the bigger yeah. discussion on how we, yeah. how we look at violence in sports, uh, especially with our kids. 
Yeah. And you might know this. Um, I just caught the headline. And so I'm not super sure of what I'm about to say. Um, but like a triple A pitcher uh, took a hit. Oh, yeah. do, do you know what I'm talking about? I think it was, I think it was like a line drive that hit him right in the head and he was yeah. hospitalized and a man yeah. just gotten out of the hospital, but there was, you know, freak things happen. Uh, and, and, and I think yeah. it's, it, it's one thing to look at. So, so this is what scares me most about football, a sport, by the way, that I still love and a sport that I don't think my mom, or I'm sorry, my mom, I don't think my wife would allow, or my mom for that matter, allow either of my sons <laughs> to play football. Um, so I guess the point's a little bit moot, but uh, if my younger son who watches football with me comes to me in ninth grade and says, Dad, I want to play, it, it becomes a little bit more of a nuanced discussion. But uh, mm-hmm. the I still watch football, and yet to me the, the scariest part isn't aren't these big hits because you can more or less legislate those out of the game. To me, it's sort of the those repetitive hits that happen, yep. uh, subconscious yep. hits many, many times over the course of a game and over the course of a career, especially for you know, players like linemen who, you know, are hitting heads virtually every play, not hitting it hard and getting knocked out. But that, that stuff builds up. That is, is what scares me long-term uh, about mm-hmm. football specifically as a sport. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, any sport can have a freak accident and, you know, potentially lead to a devastating brain injury. Um, But you're right. The culture of football in particular um, and the manly macho-ness, oh, I just got my bell rung. I'm fine. I can keep playing. You know, like we really need to change that narrative and I just recently too I saw a video it was um Pop Warner it was little 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 kids like probably like seven years old and they're in practice and they're having the kids headbutt each other basically with their helmets on I there's probably a name for that but um and the little kid Oklahoma drill I'm guessing he literally like you could tell he kind of passed out for a second and then came to and was super woozy and everyone on the sidelines the adults are like oh you're good you're good and um some nfl players came out against that like you know who's the coach i'll do this drill with the coach and um you know so it was good to see the nfl come out against it Exactly. I mean, and, and look, NFL and Roger Goodell are so easy to rip on. They're they're the low hanging fruit, right? Um, but right. They have. There's been a cultural change over the past decade. They are taking it seriously in a way that they did not, you know, twelve, fifteen years ago. Um, and, and and for that culture to change, that's what it takes. It takes. It doesn't take the outsiders saying tut 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 football's bad. It takes the insiders who still love football but recognize that this is, like I said, it's an existential question for the sport uh, as well as a safety question for the players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Reed, we're just about out of time. The 30 minutes always flies by. Um, <laughs> what final thoughts, what parting words of wisdom do you have for our listeners today? Um, you know, what would you like people to take away from today's conversation? You, know, you kind of alluded to this earlier, but uh, Zach didn't have any hope 
And I think we should recognize that we should have hope. Uh, whether you are, you know, played football 20 years ago and are exhibiting symptoms of CTE or whether you are a high school football player right now or have a, have a child who's a high school football player, um, this isn't – it's not a death sentence, like you said. Um, it can be, and for Zach it was, because he, he lost hope. He lost yeah. hope that, yeah. uh, that he could beat this thing. And, look, science moves slowly. Uh, we know that. Uh, what happened with the coronavirus vaccine over the past year was remarkable and unprecedented. Uh, for when you talk to scientists about uh, concussions and CTE, they, refer, they always the, – the phrase that I heard more than any other was the infancy of the science. This is new. It's mm-hmm. going to take decades yeah. to, for science to, quote, unquote, solve that. But we can do what we can do as a culture to take this seriously. Um, to recognize, you know, after that first concussion especially, um, you need to pay really close attention to your kid in the, in the five minutes after and in the, in, in the two hours after, but also in the, in the years after. So yes. um, yeah. to me, that is, that is what is important here is, is let's pay attention to this. Let's, let's take mm-hmm. this seriously. It's not a death sentence. It's not like, oh, my gosh, we need to wrap our kids up in bubble wrap uh, so they don't ever get hurt uh, from anything. It's not that at all. It's let's be, let's be a little smarter about this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Reed, I have in the show notes anyone that would like to find your book on Amazon. I have the link to Love Zach in the show notes. I also have a link to your website, readforgrave.com, if anyone wants to learn more about you. Um, and so those and are clickable links. And by the way, I would yep. be more than happy uh, to to speak with book clubs or groups uh, about this book. So hit me up. My awesome. email address is on my website. Awesome. Yeah, we just had you in our book club a month or two ago. So it was a great conversation. That's right. that was fun. And uh, you're, you're a great um, auditory storyteller as well as a written storyteller. So thank you for being thank here you. today. I really appreciate it. This is awesome. Thanks, Amy. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And again, all those links are in the show notes for you. And just another big thank you to our sponsor, Integrated Brain Centers. Uh, Find them online and schedule your free consultation. And also a reminder, you can find all of our previous podcasts on most streaming platforms such as iTunes or directly at basesoftbi.com. And you can help support the podcast through my Patreon page. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zellmer. And please join our Facebook group, Amy's TBI Tribe. Thank you all for listening. And thank you for being a part of my journey. Have a great day, everyone. And I'll see you in the next episode. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.